Well, church, God has given us a detailed blueprint in his word, similar to what you just saw on the screen. And his word has clear directions for our life and specifically what we might call our spiritual life. It's a framework for us to follow. And we are called to live a life that's built on not a shaky foundation. Isn't it crazy all the rain we've been having and you see the sinkholes and things and you just wonder like, oh my goodness, like, is, is land secure, especially if you live out to the west, you know, toward uh, the ocean and along the rivers, um, especially with all the rain we've ha- had. I think about that. But, but we're told in the scriptures uh, to build our life on a foundation, and we'll, we'll see that verse in a minute. And that foundation is to follow the framework for transformation yeah, into the likeness of Jesus. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about for uh, the next several weeks. Now, I'll just be honest with you. Um, I'm cherry picking, and I had to make sure I was using that phrase correctly. You know, so many phrases these days, they don't mean what you think, or they have a new meaning. Uh, and so anyway, I, I looked at it this morning. And to cherry pick is to basically pick what you want, to choose the things you want to, in this case, talk about. And so um, we're going to do that for a few different uh, weeks together. Uh, We're going to look at uh, some passages that will be familiar. One of those will be Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. And in that famous passage, we we have this picture, um, this description of what God was doing through the church. And that description becomes... Uh, a teaching tool for God's people. So we will see that. We're going to talk about prayer in a couple of weeks. Uh, That is a key ingredient toward our uh, spiritual formation. Uh, But let me talk about that for even a second. I don't know if you can read it. It's pretty small on the screen under the big words. Following the framework for transformation, that that idea of transformation, um, whether you call it transformation, transformation, sanctification, that's kind of the famous theological word, Uh, making us like Jesus, those all mean the same sorts of things. And and there's several passages in the Bible that speak to this. Romans 8.29 says, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, transformed, sanctified into the image of his son. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Who will transform, speaking of God doing this, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body? Not speaking uh, in one sense of the glorification that comes when Jesus returns, but there is a transformation that's happening and will happen. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine. Just as we have borne the image of The man of dust, speaking of Adam, we are made in a sense in the likeness of Adam. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven or the new Adam, the Lord Jesus. We will bear the image one day and God is making us like him now. Uh, Colossians 3.10, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, being renewed, being transformed, being sanctified, being transformed. Or one more, 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. That's talking to Christians. If you are 
in Christ, if he is your savior, we are, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. I think it was Kristen's pastor in college and a mentor of mine who used to say, and I've picked it up. And so I, I think it goes to him. But anyway, you may have heard me say this in the past too. If God was only interested in us going to heaven, he could have taken us to heaven when we were converted, when we became Christians. But he didn't. He's left us. And that's because, among other things, he is transforming us. He is conforming us to the image of Jesus. He's sanctifying us. He's getting us ready for that day. And so, as we begin a new year today and over the next several weeks, I, I want to look at, as I said, I'm cherry-picking, I'll be honest, but several texts and, and topics that are on my heart as our pastor that, that speak of transforming and that speak of us building our life individually and as a church on the foundation that God has laid out. And ultimately, he's laid that foundation out in his word. Now, one of the things we'll talk about, and let me also say, today's going to be more of a big picture, like I hope to inspire you kind of sermon. So I, I know I was reading a bunch of texts there, and we'll turn to some in a moment, but I, I want to cast kind of a big vision, uh, and then we'll start to move into some things over the next few weeks, okay? So this is a little different than normal. One of the things we'll talk about, even today, is what is often called spiritual disciplines. How many have heard of spiritual disciplines? Okay, most of you. Um, what are those? Those are uh, habits, you might say. Uh, another phrase I prefer over the last several years, instead of spiritual discipline, but it means the same thing, the, the phrase I prefer is means of grace. Because we are saved by grace and we are being saved by grace and the whole Christian life is grace. Even our obedience and transformation is a work of God's grace. And so these disciplines or habits that Christians have been doing and recommending for 2,000 years, and really before that, God's people have engaged in things. These, these, these things that uh, we, we, we do, they're means of God's grace at work in us, but it's all essentially uh, the same thing. So we're going to talk about that somewhat even uh, today, and, and specifically today, we're going to talk about the Bible, living on God's word in 2023. Take a look at the screen. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 4 when Jesus was tempted by the devil. And we're going to come back to this passage this morning, but just look at this verse for a moment. Jesus said to Satan, man, humans, people, man shall not live by bread alone, right? He was being tempted. He was hungry after 40 days of not eating. He was tempted to turn stones to bread. And Jesus responded to that by saying, man shall not live by bread alone. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three here. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, 
But the implication is man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our message today is called Living on God's Word in 2023. And and again, my unapologetic goal is to plead with you as a pastor, to plead with you, and I'm first in line, church, as well, that we would live on God's word in 2023. Not merely dabble in it, not merely tinker with it, but live on God's word. Live on it, just like Jesus said. If you were to live in my house, if you were to be a fly floating around our home, we might try to whack you, but if we didn't see you, right? Um, In the morning, you would watch my routine and you would probably summarize the following. Man, Paul drinks 24 ounces of hot water first thing. Then you'd surmise that he goes on a 20 plus minute walk, rain or shine, six days a week. Uh, Sundays, it's only about 12 minutes, a little shorter. Um, Then Paul has a cup of black coffee. Uh, Then his breakfast is an egg and a slice of toast. And then 14 plus or minus, depending on what's happening, vitamins or supplements that others in my life tell me I must take. That is six days a week. Okay, there's, there's some, you know, it changes a little bit. Like, again, Sunday, it's a little different. But you would surmise that's my routine. I do the same things every day. I very rarely deviate. You see, those things are, I live on that. I mean, literally, that's what I do. It's a habit. It's a discipline. It's my routine. Um, sometimes there's tweaks to it, but I come back to it over and over You might say, Paul lives on that routine. And you understand, you have them too. Different things. It may not be the way you spend the first 45 minutes of your day. Maybe it's the way you spend the last 45 minutes of your day. But but you have your routines, your things you live by. Again, I want to plead with us as a church to live on God's word in 2023. So what does that mean? Turn to the book of 2 Timothy. It's in the New Testament. Toward the end, most believe this was the Apostle Paul's last written correspondence that that we have as Bible, as God's word. 2 Timothy 3. And we're going to come back to this text next week, Lord willing. So if you want a little... What's next week? This is next week. We'll unpack it next week, but I want you to hear it today. I want you to hear this again as part of this setup for living in God's word in 2023. So the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy is his child in the faith. He was like a spiritual father to Timothy, the Apostle Paul was. And he's writing to encourage him. Uh, Paul has left Timothy um, as his representative in Ephesus to keep helping the churches get things in order. 
And he says this, 2 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. He's saying, Timothy, and if you read the other First Timothy letter, we learn that Timothy came to faith through his mom and grandmother. It's a cool reality that's in the Bible and cool reality of some of our lives, the godly influence of a mom and a grandmother. And he came to faith, and uh, he is to continue in that faith, continue in the things uh, that he learned, the things that he believed. He goes on in verse 15. These things that you uh, were brought up in, continue in them. And then verse 15, and now, and how, excuse me, from childhood, there it is, you have been, listen, what he says, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. So what, what he learned and believed, now he calls it and refers to it as the sacred writings. So we're talking about what we consider the Old Testament, his scriptures. And these sacred writings, he says, are able to make you wise for salvation. They're able to transform you to become more like Jesus as God is sanctifying and saving you and getting you ready for him. And they teach you how to, to begin that relationship. They make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then verse 16 and 17, very famous verses. All scripture. So now he uses another word, a synonym for sacred writings. Now he says scripture. And he doesn't just say some of it. He says all scripture is breathed out by God. That's a literal translation of what's in the Greek. It's breathed out. Some translations say inspired. It's from God through the means of human authors, their own context and personality, but it's from God. The sacred writings, the scriptures come from God. This is his self-revelation. And all of it is profitable. And then Paul lists four things. And as, as I said, we'll look at these next week, but just hear it. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. That is to, to show us where we're out of line. It's profitable for correction. Not only does it reprove us, but it helps us get back in line with God, you could say. And it trains us in righteousness, in holiness, in, in how God wants us to live. That the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So again, this is where we will be next week. But as you hear it, as you see it, notice there at verse 16, he says, all scripture. It's not just the words of Jesus No, it's all scripture. Um, It's not just Psalm 23. We love it. Everybody does. But but it's all scripture. It's not just the parts, Timothy and church now, that you like and that you agree with. All of it. This is all God's word. From Genesis to Revelation. And it's profitable for us. And if it's profitable for us, then church, let's live on God's word in 2023.
So for the few minutes that remain this morning, I want to have you consider six ways to live on God's word. And so uh, if you were around uh, SOMA, gosh, it might be like eight or more years ago, uh, we had a seminar um, called, uh, I forget now, but the guy's name is Mitch Marr. I think it's like Walk Through the Bible. And so we did it over several uh, weeks after church. Um, and this this little graphic is from his work that he, he did, the videos we watched. Uh, the six things aren't unique to him. These are things Christians have been talking about. And these are disciplines or habits, or as I mentioned, means of grace, okay? And as you see on the screen, um, these are uh, six things that we can do that, so that we can have a grip. You see the hand there? You can hopefully make that out. How we can get a grip on the Bible, okay? So let's walk through these these six things. Um, before, though, let me, let me just say one more thing about disciplines or habits or means of grace, okay? So this is from a pastor. He writes a helpful illustration. He says, I can flip a switch. Think of a light switch. But I don't provide the electricity, right? You don't either. When you turn that switch on in the morning, you aren't providing the electricity. Okay, you're flipping a switch. I can turn on a faucet, but I don't make the water flow. There will be no light and no liquid refreshment without someone else providing it. And so it is for the Christian with the ongoing grace of God, means of grace, spiritual discipline. His grace is essential for our spiritual life, but we don't control the supply. We can't make the favor of God flow, but he has given us circuits to connect and pipes to open expectantly. And there are paths along which he has promised his favor. Does that make sense? So just because we start to engage in these six things, that's no guarantee that God's going to do something. It's like flipping the switch. Okay, God's got to do it, but, but these things are, are like flipping the switch, uh, like turning on the faucet. Uh, the Christian life is not a passive one where we just stand there or sit there and say, go God, sanctify me God. We, we, we act in response to his grace, to his saving grace and to his transforming grace and by means of grace. I hope that is making sense. So again, here are six ways to get a grip on the Bible, six ways to live on God's word in 2023. Mitch Marr clarifying the Bible. Number one, hearing the word. Number one, hearing the word. Every one of us Christians needs to practice the habit, the discipline of hearing God's word. And Friends, that can be done in so many different ways. You're doing it right now, as I read from Scripture, as sometimes others read Scripture. Um, that's one of the things we do as a church when we gather. We, we practice what God's Word says, and that is to practice the public reading of Scripture. So congratulations, you're already doing this today. You're, you, you are special. You are special so far in this year. You are hearing the Word. But it's not just when you come to church. Um, we we have access like like Christians haven't had access and God's people haven't 
um, in, in, in generations. Uh, most of us can pull out a device from our pocket. I know not everyone, but most of us. And on that device, we have access to the internet and apps that will not only put the words of the Bible on the screen, but you hit another button and voila. You know, James Earl Jones, Darth Vader is telling you the word of God uh, or, or other famous celebrities who you may not want to be telling you the word of God because it gets confusing in your brain. Um, the, the app I use, uh, and I'll include this in my communication with you this week if you're interested, it's called Dwell, D-W-E-L-L. Um, and I, I like the voice Rosie. She's this British woman. And uh, I don't know Rosie, but I like how she reads the Bible. So you, you can do that. In fact, back to my morning routine, when I go on my 20 plus minute walk, that's what I'm doing. And I'm praying, but I'm, I'm listening to God's word. And I'm not telling you that so that you say, add a boy, Paul, uh, or that you, you know, go home all excited that your pastor listens to the Bible. I just, I just want to really be helpful and just show you that like, hey, when you're on the treadmill, if you do that, if you're on your bike, if you're walking, if you're in the car, you can hear God's word um, in so many different ways. I mean, I can remember as a young Christian um, getting tapes of God's word and having collections of, you know, the NIV tapes and then eventually other translations. And then we upgraded to compact discs. Now, again, apps. And some of them you pay a little, some of them are free, uh, but you can, you can listen. Speaking of my routine, and it's, it's just meant to be helpful, in this previous year, last year, uh, as of yesterday, um, the, the plan of God's Word that I listened to is the Robert Murray McShane plan. He was a Scottish pastor, and he came up with this reading plan that's very famous. It's four readings a day. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes, but here's a little power user tip. Most of the apps, you can increase the speed a little bit like we do on podcasts. So I just nudge it up to like 1.25, you know, percent, or, you know, and it's just a little faster. Uh, not like so fast that you can't understand it. Not like when Andre preaches here uh, and, you know, we're having a hard time, but, but enough that the, I can get through it and still absorb it. Um, so Robert Murray McShane, very famous, and you can find that for free online. This year, starting tomorrow, uh, I'm returning to one I've done in the years past. It's called the five-day Bible reading plan. No, reading. We're not talking about reading just yet. Uh, but for me, I listen to it. Um, and, and this plan takes a person through the Bible in a year in such a way that you, you get through the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice. And the cool thing I like about it is for the Old Testament, it arranges it chronologically. So in, you know, uh, in the history parts of the Old Testament where, where David is doing stuff and, and whatnot, uh, it'll put a psalm in there that, that David wrote. And then later on during the divided kingdom when the prophets, like we just finished Minor Prophets, right? Instead of waiting for the end of the year to listen to all that stuff, it, it weaves them in there chronologically where those events happen. So that, that spans all of the Old Testament over the, the year, five days a week, five readings. You get a couple catch-up days if you need them or time to listen to something else. And then you get through the New Testament uh, two times. Uh, so, so that's what I do, and I'm returning to that. But hear God's word. 
how can you hear it more than coming to church? And this is great. But what else can you do to hear God's word? Um, you know, again, not only do we have apps and stuff, YouTube, you can find different tellings of the Bible on YouTube. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what we have access to. So that's one way to get a grip on the Bible in 2023. Number two is reading. So this should be an obvious one as well. So I mentioned the five-day Bible reading plan. So I printed some of these. They're in the back by the coffee table. If you're interested, take it, read through the explanation, and you can stick it in your Bible. You could stick it somewhere, um, and you can just move your way through. Um, that's one method of reading God's Word. Um, one thing I'm doing this year, and I, I'm telling you so you can ask me how it's going as, as a means of accountability, in preparing for today and next week, uh, another place we're going to be, uh, more so next week, is Psalm 119. This amazing psalm, the biggest psalm in our, our Bible, the biggest chapter in the Bible. Um, psalm 119 um, is uh, a very poetical psalm. Let me just tell you a little bit of coolness about it. So the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, and the, the writer of Psalm 119 took the first letter of each of the alphabet, or each, excuse me, each letter of the alphabet, and uh, the first seven or eight verses of each section start with that letter. So if it was English, there's seven or eight verses that all the words start with the letter A, and then the next set start with the letter B, and then the next set start with the letter C. Uh, and some of your Bibles may have that Hebrew word, just so you know. But what's even better than that cool poetic form, Psalm 119 is all about God's word. It's all about the Bible. It is all about the benefits of the Bible in our life. I'm going to talk about that in a moment a little bit more. So what I'm doing, since I'm listening, hearing this, this plan when I walk, I'm going to spend the next, um, whatever it is, eight weeks or so, uh, working through Psalm 119, spending a week reading Psalm, in this case, well, let's just look. What, what, what am I starting today or tomorrow? So starting tomorrow, I'm going to look at Psalm 119, 1 to 8. All those words, if I was a Hebrew reader, which I'm not, begin with the Hebrew letter Aleph. And then in a week, I will start at verse 9. And all those words of the next uh, seven or eight verses start with the Hebrew letter Beth and, and so on. So I'm going to do one section a week for eight weeks just to read through Psalm 119. I want to immerse myself in this psalm. How, how can you spend more time reading God's word? It takes time. You have to set aside 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You do have the time. You do. Even if you're a stay-at-home parent, even if you are a student, even if you have to leave for work and get home and have responsibilities, you can find 10 minutes, 15 minutes, even five to just read God's word. Maybe have it be the last thing you do before you turn out the lights. Instead of binge-watching that episode of The Office for the 75th time, 
watch or read, read, read a chapter of something. You have the time. That's another way to get a grip on God's word. Number three, different than hearing, different than reading, there's a place for studying the word of God. To study is to take an even smaller section. Uh, maybe it's a book you're really interested in and, and you just start to, you know, read that introductory stuff that many Bibles have. To buy a study Bible. If you're a lady, um, maybe you have always wanted to study the book of Revelation. And our own Jan Wells, uh, she's teaching through the book of Revelation chapters 1 to 5 on Mondays. Um, they resume next week. And uh, you can talk to Jan, ladies, if you're interested, uh, but to study God's word. Uh, Mitch Marr, the author of this, uh, Through the Bible, Clarifying the Bible, he says this, reading the word or even hearing is like flying over a city and you get right the the lay of the land. I was telling someone recently, um, it's been fun a couple of times recently to fly uh, sort of locally and to, to land in Santa Rosa during the daytime because all of a sudden as you're coming in, it's like, oh, there's Novato. I see Hamilton, you know, and then, oh, there's Roner Park and oh, Elsie Allen is right there. And, and you know, I, you can identify things. Um, and so I know this town. So for me, that's not a big deal, right? So, so reading and hearing is like flying over a city to get the lay of the land. Studying the word of God is like getting out of the plane driving, walking the streets to become more familiar with the surroundings. So, you, you know, what does this word mean? And, and this word is repeated. Well, that must mean something. And, and you, you do some, some work and you just slow down. How can you study God's word in 2023? Maybe it again is to join a study. Maybe it's something you do on your own. And if you have questions, um, you, you need some suggestions I'd love to help. So we can hear the word of God, we can read the word of God, we can study the word of God to get a grip on it, but we still have a few fingers to talk about. Number four, memorizing the word of God. Hearing and reading and studying are all really good, but there's a place to memorize. A very famous verse, Psalm 119, the the chapter that I'm going to, read through over the next eight weeks at a slower pace. Psalm 119, verse 11. Some of you know this. It's one of the first verses I think I memorized. It says, I have hidden or, or treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden or treasured memorized, right? If, if, if you have it in there, that's the same idea. Your word got in my heart that I might not sin against you. What can you memorize this year? Do you even, do you even think it's important? That, that verse I just said from memory, this gets back to Matthew 4. I, I told you we'd come back to it briefly. So, so you can keep your, well, I guess we're not really in any one place. Turn to Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. The account of 
Jesus' spiritual warfare with Satan. Let me, let me read, you can follow. Then Jesus, verse 1, was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, Hold on, Satan, let me get my phone out and get my Bible app going. No. Nor did he say, Hold on, Satan, let me get my you know, 10-pound study Bible out of my backpack. No. He also didn't say, Hold on, let me get the scroll. <laughs> Probably he may have had access to one of those at some point. No. Notice what he does. He answered, verse 4, It is written... And here, he, again, what we saw earlier, he quotes from Deuteronomy 8.3, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, Now Satan has some Bible memorized. He will command his angels concerning you and... Another verse, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, again it is written, and notice again, Jesus had hidden or treasured or memorized some portions of God's word that he might not sin against God, that when the temptation comes, he's ready. And he now, in this verse, quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And a third time, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written. And so once again, third time, he's got something memorized to respond with, and he says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Also again from Deuteronomy 6. Sorry, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6. Verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Friends, if Jesus, the God-man, yes, but man... Fully, fully God, yes, but fully man. If he needed to memorize God's word, hide it in his heart, treasure it so that he might not sin, and if he had it at his disposal in that sort of attack, why do we think we don't need to? What can you do to memorize God's word? Maybe, again, there's some specific sins you are tempted with all the time, there's verses, and if you want some suggestions, I'd love to talk. Your, you, your Bibles often have glossaries and, and topical places, but find those. Memorize God's Word, or just pick a chapter. Um, some of you might recall Ginger, my daughter and I, a few years ago, memorized a, a psalm, and I was just telling her again, we should, we should do that again, and it's 
review that one so we keep it and then let's pick something else. And in college, uh, one of my roommates and I, we started the book of Ephesians, big goal, six chapters. We got through three, chapters one, two, and three. I, I have it there still for the most part. Um, and there's just something that, that God uses when, when we've got his word um, and, and we can recall and then, again, with, with the access to find the text and clarify it, it's just amazing. I, I want you to consider how can you memorize God's word. Number five is to meditate on the word of God. So we hear, we read, we study, we memorize. To meditate is not, is not the same as Eastern meditation. In our day and age, Eastern meditation, New Age meditation means to to empty your mind. Um, that's not what the Bible means. So, for example, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, says that blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but blessed is the man or woman whose delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord, the law is just a synonym for the whole word of God. And here it is, on God's law, on God's word, he or she meditates day and night. So that's not the same as emptying. Biblical meditation is to think on and think on and think on, to, to just ponder it and ponder it. You need to meditate on God's word. I need to meditate on God's word. It's not enough just to hear it and check it off. It's not enough just to read through your five-day plan and check up, I did it. Uh, not enough to, to even study, although probably if you are reading and hearing and reading and studying and memorizing, you, you are meditating. You're, you're getting to this one. You're, you're just recalling it, recalling it, recalling it. But, but we need to let God's word sit uh, with us. Then finally, the last one, we get a grip on the Bible by applying it. So we need to talk about this because it's not enough just to have a head knowledge and, and whatnot where we understand God's word, um, but we, we need to put it into place. Uh, Mitch Marr writes these questions. In what you are hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, is there a sin to avoid? Sometimes the, you'll see something. Uh, is there a promise to claim? Sometimes there will be. Is there an example to follow? Sometimes. Uh, is there a command clearly to obey? Yeah, sometimes those will be there. Uh, is there a prayer to express? Right. In other words, we can ask questions that, that get us to the place of God. How do I take what your word says and put it into place? Now, let me just be honest. Sometimes you're going to read parts of God's word and there's not going to be anything like that. So as I mentioned, I'm finishing the McShane plan. Uh, I've actually got like 18 more days, but it's okay. There's lots of grace and I believe in it. But I'm in a part where it's in Second Chronicles and it's just going over the history. There's nothing for me to do to obey, but I'm, I'm learning who God is He's the God of covenant and promise and, and God who sets up kings and takes away kings. Like, so I, I can still see his character, even though sometimes, you know, 
So not every verse is going to be like epiphany and, you know, fireworks and life transforming for your very next hour. Sometimes. But it's God's word. So one, one example. I mentioned how I'm going to read Psalm 119 this year. A few months ago in my daily walks, listening to God's word, so listening through Psalm 119, I came across this. And I, I've heard this, seen it, read it before. Psalm 119, 136, 136 says this. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. And so here's the truth. As your pastor, I, I care about you. And, and sometimes some of the things you do cause me to cry because you're not living the way God wants you to live. Sometimes that's my own life, right? But, but in this case, I heard this verse on my walk and, and it was like, yes, God, that's those words from your word give word to literal tears I've had over situations in people's lives and, and hard things that people go through. And so it was good to, to be able to underline that verse and, and make a little note of that. So I know I'm not crazy when, when I cry over people that I love who don't keep God's word. And again, this isn't, please, I think you know me. This isn't Pastor Paul self-righteously wanting to whack people with my Bible. This is just me wanting you to be transformed, conformed into the image of Jesus, wanting you to be sanctified, seeing how when, when, when you and I deviate from that, it causes grief and, and, and just crying over that. So church, let's get a grip on the Bible in 2023 by hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, and applying the Bible. Is there one of those six that the Spirit is really kind of elbowing you in the ribs right now? Like, this is the one for you? Maybe. Look up at the screen once more. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, tells this parable, this story, about two people, a foolish person and a wise person. And the story is, and again, with all the rain we're having, it's very applicable, this foolish person builds his home on sand. Um, and then there's this wise builder who builds his home on this solid foundation, this rock. Well, guess what happens? Rain comes to both. Uh, the floods come to both. Winds blow and, and beat on the houses of both. But, but the person who built their house on the sand, that house was gone because there was no foundation. But the, the builder on the solid rock, uh, the same thing has hit their house, but, but the house made it. And then Jesus applies it, and, and this is what I have on the screen. Everyone who hears these words of mine, and we can apply that to all scripture, everyone who hears God's word and does it, applies it, lives it, 
not perfectly, but by the grace that he supplies, pursuing obedience, right? Everyone who hears God's word and does it is like that wise man who built a house on the rock because even Christians who live by the Bible have to deal with the stuff of life, the hurt, the heartache, the sickness. I mean, it it happens to everybody. No one's immune from hard realities of life. Storms come. But if our life is built on the foundation of hearing God's word and living in response to it, we can handle all the storms. I'm excited for us as a church um, to consider several different ways to build a firm foundation or to build on the firm foundation God has laid out so that we're transformed into the image of his son. And I especially want us to build our life on God's word. So I want to pray that we would. Um, and would you stand and then, um, well, don't stand yet. We, we need to, uh, we need to have the Lord's Supper. And I'm all confused because we're doing it old style. So I actually need a couple volunteers who, thank you, one and two, uh, Gio and Sherry, that's perfect. So Gio, if you want to overhear, um, remember the days when trays came through? It was a long time ago. We're done with rip and sips. So, so actually, Sherry, if you want to come on this side. That's okay. We didn't plan this. Again, we're rusty. So before you guys start um, passing, what, what will happen in a moment, um, uh, they will come with the plate, and, and they'll come down the middle, and just uh, we'll let them hold on the plate. Okay, we've got a few enough people, and... Just grab a piece of bread for yourself, and then they'll hold it, and then grab, and, and so okay. You just you just grab what you need, um, and, and hold on to that. They'll come back, um, and then we'll eat together. It's a family meal, and then they'll come with the trays, and then the same thing. They'll hold the tray. You just grab your cup, and then once everybody has a cup, um, they'll come back, and we will we will drink together. Um, but let me remind you of what the scriptures say. And again, I love that we get to have this meal today on the first day of the year. Because all of this, um, building our life on this foundation that God's laid out in his word, different things, and and today um, living on God's word, it's only possible because of what we're about to do. In other words, what this meal represents. Let's remember that. So the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 that he received from the Lord what he delivered that Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And I don't know if it was like this bread or not, but, but he took bread, he, he broke it into pieces, and he said, um, after giving thanks, this is my body, it represents my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And he maybe poured out some wine for them. And they would then take and drink. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let me pray. And then we will have this meal together. Father, Please 
do a work of grace in each of us so that we would want to live on your word this year. And however we need to do that, one of those six ways, work that out too. But, but we need your work of grace. We want to be transformed to look more like Jesus who himself lived on your word. We want to be transformed. And thank you that it's possible because of the life Jesus lived and then the death he died. And so as we eat this meal, we remember his death burial, resurrection, and we look forward to the promise that he would eat that meal one day when he comes back. And so we pray, come again, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.